0: I think our culture, our system, our schemes, how we approach the game is the same. Our goal is to win, protect the home court, put ourselves in position to make a deep playoff run and win a championship. They can definitely expect more of the same with different personnel. Scotty is a Hall of Famer, one of the best 50 players that ever played a game, so it was really cool to sit down and discuss the NBA today compared to back in the 80s 90s how style has changed, how fashion has played a role, in our brands, how the social media has played a role in how people are dressing and people are portrayed on the internet. There's just so much that we discussed. Kim Bazemore Whiteside is, is super excited, You know, got a, a chance to kind of create a new identity and reinvent himself here in Portland. It's all positive vibes, man. Everybody's happy to be in a new environment, to be a part of our culture, understand what we want to accomplish this year and the success we've had. Welcome to the Eric Williams episode of Pull Up That's Right, episode number 79. Four days until the season starts. Really looking forward to finishing up the preseason and playing in the Moda Center in front of our fans. It's been a long time since we played there. A lot of memories, a lot of new memories to make. And I'm just really, really looking forward to it. We'll open up on the 23rd against the Denver Nuggets. We have a special guest that I'll be calling into the Pull Up pod in about 15 or 20 minutes. So stay locked in. Jordan, NBA starts in four days for me, three days for some other players. It just depends on what team you're rooting for. What are you most looking forward to this season? And there has been a bit of a damper put on opening night because Zion will be out for opening night.
1: Yeah, I was really excited about Zion opening night, CJ. Um, I think we all were. Now we're going to have to wait a few more weeks to watch him play, maybe a little longer, but it'll be worth the wait. And there's plenty of storylines to be excited about. So, what I'm most looking forward to, aside from, of course, the Blazers, is I really want to know how this LA, you know, new, renewed rivalry will sort itself out. And the Clippers and Lakers playing opening night, you know, that's pretty cool. And, and I don't know if it's going to be all the bad blood that we'll see throughout the season, but I think it's going to be at least some of it. And I think you'll see, you know, two teams that both believe that they can win a championship, you know, Braun and AD against Kawhi, uh, and the, a and the Clippers team that we know is very good. I, I That's probably like the most intriguing Western Conference storyline of opening night and of the first few weeks. I want to see both of those new teams and see what how they work, who takes the final shot, and, and how the offenses are constructed with those new weapons. Yeah, I think the league
0: is really looking forward to seeing the duos. Obviously, starting in L.A., you have the Lakers and the Clippers, but what people fail to realize is that is going to be out for a little bit, so PG's not going to be playing um, beginning of the season. He's going to miss the opener, which means a lot of the onus will fall on Kawhi's hands, obviously, but Lou Williams going to be a big contributor again this season. He's an impact player who's going to play with the starters as well as um, the second unit and probably will be in the lineup to finish games, especially since Paul George is out. So it'll be interesting to see the rotation without Paul George and how the rotation changes once Paul George comes back. And then you look at the Lakers, um, Kyle Kuzma still hurt. So looking at his timeline uh, on when he could potentially come back, that'll affect their rotation do they start him? Do they bring him off the bench at first? I'm, I'm assuming they're probably going to start him. And does that mean that they they take out the point guard and start LeBron at the one? Or do they put AD at the four versus the five? Like there's little lineup changes that are going to happen at the beginning of the season to figure out finishing lineups. And obviously down the stretch of games, the ball will be in LeBron James' hands and he'll figure out uh, who's going to take the last shot depending on circumstance. But I think you run mid and rolls with him in AD, you figure out ways to to get those two involved in any type of action down the stretch.
1: What about the East? You know, like Toronto, Brooklyn, Boston, Philadelphia, Indiana. Who's the pressure on at least to start? I think the pressure will be on
0: Boston and Brooklyn. Obviously, I say Brooklyn because Kyrie doesn't have KD probably for this entire year. So there'll be a little bit of pressure for them to perform at a high level. They're supposed to be the better team in New York. They made a bit of a playoff run last year. I also think the pressure will be on Boston because they had a change. Kyrie goes from Boston to Brooklyn, so obviously people want to see how he leads Brooklyn, but people will also want to see how the Boston young nucleus adjusts to not having Kyrie. Does Jason Tatum step up? Does Jalen Brown step up? Does the contract situation on the extension affect performance? Does it affect the playing time? Is someone traded? There's a lot of stuff That is yet to be determined uh, among those two franchises. And I think the sleeper is obviously the Sixers. Like, what's going to happen with them? There's a lot of hype around Ben Simmons shooting the ball. He has a heightened sense of confidence in shooting the ball. How does that affect their team? Does that make them better in playoff situations when it's half court? There's just a lot to to figure out over these next seven to eight months, and only time will tell based on performance.
1: Now that you've gotten um, used to some of your new teammates and you know, figuring out how everything's gonna at least feel to a degree. What is there a I mean, obviously the Nurk won't be playing right away, but what's the biggest change from last year to this year? Or is it does it feel like more of the same, which is which is a good thing. I'm just wondering what Blazer fans can expect the first few weeks. They can definitely expect more of the same with different personnel.
0: I think our culture our system, our schemes, how we approach the game is is the same. Our goal is to win, protect home court, put ourselves in position to make a deep playoff run and win a championship. But who's out there may change a little bit. Obviously, we lost seventy percent of our minutes in the starting lineup. The other thirty percent being Dame and I um, as mainstays in the backcourt. No Nurk to start the season. Um, no Mo Harkless. No Chief Al Aminu, No Myers Leonard um no Evan Turner the list goes on and on to where no Jake Lehman we're missing all of these players that we had in previous years we're going to fulfill those roles with new players who will continue to systematically um effectively approach the same ways that other players have in the past only we're just older with more experience
1: are you enjoying the 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 new guys I mean obviously we have a new we have a guest coming in uh special guests of the, of the pull-up pod, what what have you, you know, what are some of the conversations and, and feel around the new players? It's all positive vibes, man. Everybody's happy to to be in a new environment, to be a
0: part of our culture, understanding what we want to accomplish this year and the success we've had, you know, six straight years uh, of being in the playoffs, coming off a Western Conference Finals run. Um, I think everybody's just excited. KB is excited, Ken Baysmore, Whiteside is, is super excited, you know, got to, Got a a chance to kind of create a new identity and reinvent himself here in Portland. Um, Mario is really excited. He's performed extremely well in preseason. He surprised a lot of people with his basketball IQ, his ability to to make decisions in in pick and roll and transition, a strong body who can finish around the basket. Zach has improved. Anthony has improved. All these players have continued to get better and put themselves in position to where they can contribute right away to our team. We'll have Rodney for a full season this year as opposed to getting him at the deadline so he'll be more familiar with our play calls. So there's just a lot of little things that will impact this upcoming season and I'm just really looking forward to to getting started.
1: Have you noticed any difference in in Terry or is Terry just obviously he had, he wore an incredible suit the other night other than that what have you noticed? Uh coach Terry is cool as a fan,
0: man. He's always pretty laid back. He's a players coach. Uh, I went in on the off day uh yesterday. And, and got some work in, and he was asking if I needed somebody to re- rebound for me. But I'm just, you know, trying to get free throws in and just enjoying my free throw Friday. Um, but his approach this season, I think he's confident, um, content with what we've been able to put together, obviously uh, controlling the controllables from a roster standpoint to a preparation standpoint to a practice plan to where we're at as the preseason comes to an end. Um, I think he's at peace, obviously, his situation, his stability as a coach is in place. He has his assistants in place, and he has his players here who are ready to work and and go to bat for him. So I think he's in a really good spot, and I think our players are in a really good spot because we understand um, what's going to be asked of us. We understand uh, what to expect, and we've established uh, a DNA here that is pretty evident in, in terms of how we do things.
1: CJ, uh, you know, changing subjects a little bit, we got to see um, – C.J. McCollum and some impressive Dolce & Gabbana, and you and Scottie Pippen for the Players' Tribune sat down, and you interviewed each other. It was awesome, and a lot of it was about, you know, players, the way they dress, um, the NBA from Scottie's days in the, you know, late 90s when the Bulls were winning championships to now. What was that like? And, And I guess with Scottie Pippen, I mean... I know you could get a bucket on him, but he's got to be one of the best defenders of all time, at least perimeter-wise. Yeah, Scotty is a Hall of Famer, one of the
0: best 50 players to ever play the game, and one of the best two-way players and best defenders to ever play the game. So it was really cool to sit down and and, and chop it up with him and kind of pick his brain and uh, discuss the NBA, the game today compared to back in the 80s, 90s, how style has changed, how fashion has played a role, and uh, our brand's how the social media has played a role in how people are addressing and people are portrayed on the internet. There's just so much that we discussed. It was a really uh, intuitive conversation and I'm thankful to have been a part of that. So I thank the Players Tribune. I thank some of our, our sponsors, uh, Dolce & uh and Scotty for taking some time uh, because it was uh, very helpful for me to kind of pick his brain and, and see what he's expecting from me this upcoming season and
1: beyond. Off camera, was there... Did you guys have any other great conversations? I mean, how much? It seemed like it was pretty natural. How much? How much did you guys talk about off camera? And and was there a relationship between you before the before the shoot? Yeah,
0: I had met Scotty before the shoot. Uh, we met a little while ago. We also did some stuff. Um, with ESPN where, where Scotty came out and, and sat down and chopped it up with Dame and I, and we broke down some film and um, kind of went around the practice facility to see some of the changes that have been done since he's actually played here in 2000. Um, but it was cool, man. The conversations offhand were just about the season, you know, what he's looking, uh, to see for me this year. Um, how good we can be the changes and, uh, the way my game has evolved over the course of my career, how he's kind of watched me and I just kind of bounce questions off of him, um, asked him about his mentality, asked him about, you know, what it's like to be able to win a championship, let alone six and the consistency that it takes from a preparation standpoint to a actual work ethic standpoint to a mental aspect of being able to get up for every game. And, and knowing that you're going to take every team's best shot so it was very cool man uh, I'm thankful to have been able to sit down and chop it up with him
1: what was the biggest difference for Scotty talking about now aside from the fashion just in general um, and obviously the role that social media has played on the league and its players
0: Scotty definitely noticed a, a difference um, in how we dress compared to obviously you know 20 30 years ago. The importance of social media, how we've been able to globalize not only the game, but our brands. Um, With the outreach that we now have, you got obviously other countries who are broadcasting our games, you know, uh, ESPN Deportes, uh, things of that nature. You have literal feedback instantaneously on games, highlights, remarks, interviews. TVs, TV channels dedicated to sports 24-7. You got the NBA League Pass now. You have all these different avenues um, to where people are able to study the game and, and be a part of the game. Um, year-round. It's, it's incredible.
1: Did he like it, the effect it's had on it?
0: Yeah, I mean, he definitely liked it. He wishes, you know, based on the conversations that they had a chance to to be a part of the social media wave in terms of capitalizing uh, financially on on building a brand. You think about the Chicago Bulls and, and the impact they had on basketball. Um, they really made the game popular. They were literally a rock band. You know, they were like a mythical basketball legends you know in the 90s and even now to this day so could you imagine if michael jordan scotty pippen and those bulls had access to social media had access to the the amount of talk shows that are available today had access to this extra revenue stream um that is available because of the fact that we can be influencers and have a following in mul- in multiple areas not to mention the importance of fashion in sports now to the way it's covered. There's so many ways that they could have capitalized on this. And they obviously started the wave and now we're just carrying the torch and continuing to expand the game for the next generation.
1: Yeah. I imagine how much different it would have been with social media. I mean, guys did things a lot differently back then. We know that, you know, we've heard the stories about Michael Jordan going to Atlantic city during the playoffs. I mean, things like that happened and now you players can never get away with it. So, I I like how he says, you know, that they would have loved to have been part of this era, but I don't know if some of the players, the former players, know that, recognize all the difficulties that you guys go through in this era because of how open and Accessible, your lives are. Yeah,
0: there's definitely positives and negatives. Um, I think it comes with the territory. But as the saying goes, you have to be careful what you wish for. I think certain players 20, 30 years ago would have been okay living in this this current world of social media, but a lot of players would have had to make uh, drastic changes in their day to day lifestyle and how they move off the court, you know, based on the popularity of some of these social media channels, um, a lot of people would have been exposed, you know, for if they're gambling or if they're going to do certain things on the game night or post game, right. Um, there's ways to really physically deter someone's image. And there's also ways to improve your image. So it's a double-edged sword depending on how you're moving uh, uh, around and about on and off the court. But I think, there definitely some guys that would have been in trouble and there's definitely some guys that would have flourished uh, underneath this this spotlight. We wanna welcome our special guest to the pull up pod right now. I'm just gonna read a little bit of background information for all our listeners out there. First team All-CAA in 2012, second team All-CAA 2011, 2 times CAA Defensive Player of the Year 2011-2012, three-time CAA All-Defensive Team 2010-2012, two the Lefty Drizzle Award in 2011. For those of you that don't know what that is, the Lefty Drizzle Award is given to the nation's top defensive player in college. Also had the number 24 retired by Old Dominion and inducted into the school's athletic ring of honor at halftime against state rival VCU on December 2016. Without further ado, I want to welcome special guest Kent Bazemore to the Pull-Up Pod. Appreciate you calling in, bro.
2: Hey, man, appreciate you having me. It's an honor to come on uh, Been following this podcast for a minute, so glad to finally be on
0: here. No, I appreciate you, bro. We got a lot to discuss. Obviously, we're going to start with your career. You've been traded to the pull Trailblazers Blazers now, but let's take it back a little bit to early on in your career. How would you describe... Your early days with the Warriors—I know you were undrafted. You've established yourself as a guy who does things the right way and has a defined role now. But how would you describe your earlier years um, with the Warriors at the beginning of your career? Uh, I think it was a great start, man. Um, obviously, playing at a you know mid-major
2: school, you kind of know, uh, you know how tough it is to get the nod. Uh, you got you know so many highly touted guys coming out and uh, sitting there watching the draft in 2012, you know, waiting for your name to get called. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, it doesn't. And you know, I uh, got a training training camp invite, summer league invite from the Warriors, and uh, had not look back. I uh, actually had one with Oklahoma City down in Orlando. Uh, I was guarding James Harden in practice right before we left. He was getting ready for Team USA, and uh, I was guarding him, and we like bumped knees, and I had a bruised knee, so I missed that entire uh, training camp. I mean, uh, summer league down there. So I flew out to Vegas getting ready to play at Golden State and my knees still wasn't right. And I hadn't played in a couple of days. So, uh, the night before the games, I was just like, go run, you know, for some extra conditioning at night, I throw on the knee brace and just run and, you know, try to get myself in the best shape as possible. Uh, Klay Thompson kills it the first two games and they plugged me in and we go undefeated. And, um, so that was kinda of the beginning and, you know, that that, you know, work ethic and, you know, not quit mentality and, you know, playing through, you know, you know, doing whatever I had to do to kinda
0: of stick was it was you know, I hadn't looked back since. You talk about doing whatever you had to do to stick the work ethic. Um, you earn two college degrees at Old Dominion in human services and criminal justice. So the work ethic was there early on for you. What did you learn from your early situation? Obviously, you know, you want to be drafted, you go undrafted, you have to fight for a roster spot, um, eventually wait for your turn to get playing time, get traded to the Lakers. What did you learn from the situation and how has that kind of shaped uh, you into the player you are today?
2: Well, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of everything I have been already used to, you know, just, you know, having to continuously prove yourself, you know, regardless of what situation you're in or, um, you know, having just outwork people. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I, you know, continue to, that's, that's in me to this day. Um, even being, you know, uh, eight, eight years in, you know, I'm still playing extremely hard. I still go extremely hard. I, um, I, and I take pride in that, just outplaying people and, um, you know, coming from a, a smaller school, uh, and watching the, the, those guys, you know, from the bigger schools, you know, it gave me that chip in the first place, you know, that underdog mentality. And I just kind of rode that wave. Uh, and, and, this, you know, it's still taking me to tremendous places. And, um, you know, I didn't play much with Golden State, but you know, I found myself on the sideline, you know, trying to be the best teammate I could be with all the celebrations and stuff, going crazy over there. And, um, you know, but staying locked in, I got my name called in the playoffs. Uh, we're playing against San Antonio. I'm sitting on the bench for forty seven minutes. Coach throws me in, I get a stop and a potential game win layup. Um and then Mono Ginobili hits a three to beat us right at the uh, end of the game. So um, you know, we're we'll to talk about you know, almost, you know, cementing yourself and then having it taken away. Uh that that was it was fun to be in that situation, but it kinda hurt me a little because I really wanted to win that game, uh, off that layup and um, you know, and, you know, just little moments like that you know, really gave me the confidence to to believe that I belong, and uh, I could play the best in the world.
1: Ken. can you actually walk us through how everything went down with Under Armor when you were with the Warriors? Because I know you've told this story, but I'm not sure all our listeners are familiar with it. It's a great story about how sometimes, you know, the small guy wins. And at that point in time, Under Armour was not the established kind of giant that they've become. And neither were you. You were undrafted out of Old Dominion, still trying to make a name for yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm an undrafted guy. I don't
2: have any product. Uh, I was actually wearing Nikes. I came from a Nike school. I was actually wearing Nikes in Summer League. My agent, uh, Austin Wall, reaches out to Under Armour. You know, they're kind of young and up and coming. Didn't have many guys in the league at the time, and you know, my first shipment, they sent me 19 boxes of uh, gear. Unbelievable. So I'm in a, a unfurnished apartment. Yeah, it, I mean, it was nuts. I'm in an unfurnished apartment with uh air mattress, a MacBook, and 19 boxes of, like, Under Armour gear. <laughs> so every day I'm showing up and, you know, new stuff, dude, like, every day. I mean, I, I'm I'm a kid from the middle of nowhere, you know, with new gear every day. And, you know, stuff kind of took a look at it. It was like, oh, man, what I mean? who is this guy? And why is he walking in with all this new stuff? And I made this pitch that, you know, I had no idea. I had talked to no one at Under Armour. And, you know, it was his last year with Nike. And, you know, I was like, man, look, they'll give you your own shoe. You can have your own brand. And mind you, I hadn't talked to anyone at uh, <laughs> Under Armour. So he, I mean, he showed a little bit of interest. And finally, I reached out to my agent and I tell him and he reaches out to Chris Stone, who's uh, still a great friend of mine. And, you know, Hey, seven years later, eight years later, seven years later. I mean, Perry seven is out, and you know, Under Armour is you know trending in the right direction.
1: CJ, I'm curious. Did you know that Under Armour story and how basically Kent is responsible for for Steph going to Under Armour? You know, he was rocking all the gear, he got all the shoes, and pretty soon. Staff and Clay and all the guys were asking, "What is this company and where are you getting all this apparel from?" I knew that Kent
0: introduced them to it, but I didn't know they sent them 19 boxes on the initial swing. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and it's been like that ever since. You know, they my uh, my
2: college is now uh, Under Armour. My high school, um, I have my logo printed on. You know, some of my gear, and you know, they take great care of me, man. And it's been you know amazing ride. Uh, Kevin Plank has been awesome. That's the CEO. Um And, yeah, Nike actually screwed up, you know, Steph's presentation. Because when he went there, they had, oh, like, yeah. picked up Kevin They Durant. called him the wrong name. Yeah, they had, like, KD
0: name in there. It was crazy, man. It's crazy how it all happened. Jeez. It's all in the small details, man. And You said you came from a small place. Yeah. You came from Kelford. Did I say that right? Kelford, North Carolina?
2: Yep.
0: 300 people. You go undrafted. You go to the Warriors. You spend some time in the D League. You get traded to the Lakers. What was it like going from celebrations, sporadic playing time, a lot of DMPs to starting for the Lakers to playing with Kobe? Like, what was that like to go from that small place to playing on a big stage in, t- in terms of markets to really holding your own and being able to finally, you know, be unleashed out of the cage?
2: Yeah, it's crazy uh, because I got traded uh, the day before the deadline. We're up in Sacramento um, with the Warriors. We're up in Sacramento. I go to Chapel, and Bob Myers and Mark Jackson are standing outside right at the Chapel, and they're like, no, we need to talk to you for a second. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? So they're like, yeah, we're going to send you down to the Lakers. We're going to trade you down to the Lakers. And I got traded for Steve Blake. Myself and Marshawn Brooks got traded for Steve Blake. And – they were like, you're going to play a lot, you know, because Kobe, I think he fresh his kneecap that year. So he was done. So they kind of written off the season. So I went down there, got a ton of minutes. So I get in, uh, I drive back down to Sacramento. I mean, uh, from Sacramento to the Bay that night. I fly out of the Bay to L.A. Uh, that next morning, Friday morning. I do my physical, and then I play on ESPN against Boston that night. And I have a great guy, like 15, 15, four and three in like 33 minutes. It's crazy. And we won. <laughs> so, um, you know, and Rondo Rondo was like, oh, the cheerleader can play. Like, him, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce was with the Nets. We played the Nets the next game. And they were like, dang, for a cheerleader you can play. You know, like, that was kind of like my welcome to the league moment. Like, I mean, those dudes, they saw my sideline answers. They knew where I was and know, to go out there and actually hold my own, you know, it was actually, you know, uh, it felt really good, man, to get out there and just kind of let, you know, the frustration of not playing, um, you know, and and let all the work show.
1: I was going to ask that, too, um, in terms of how you felt showing that you could really play, Kent, because early on in your career you weren't given as much of an opportunity. And how much did that validate you as a player? Because you obviously knew it, but when your peers started noticing – Especially guys like Rondo, all stars like that. How did it feel?
2: It feels good, man. I mean, you know, but I always trust my work. You know, I always. Uh, I was taught to understand that, you know, you reap what you sow. You know, if you put in the work, at some point it's going to show. You know, you go through your ups and downs. Uh, you miss shots, your bad games, your off nights. But at the end of the day, you look at your collection of work. You know, it's going to show that you put in the time, and uh, I've always believed in that, and. Um, And like I say, you know, even when I'm not, you know, shooting it well or, you know, doing something well, I'm always playing hard. So um, I never I never, you know, lack the confidence. Uh, Like even in my workouts, uh, I was going against like Brian Scalabrini and, you know, a couple of other guys, and you know, just, you know, killing them and letting them know, just talking, you know, talking trash. You know, it's kind of what I do. And, um, you know, when I got the moment, I just didn't hold back. You know, I would even if I turned the ball over, I didn't care. I just kept kept playing, got it back on the other end. You know, I would try to do things that um, you know it just didn't matter. You know it's aggressive failure. You know it was just, this is my opportunity, and I was going to seize it. But you know the icing on the cake was actually you know those kind of guys that had been around for a while. You know you know you know saying you know keep going. You know we have before for you.
0: All those good things. So you went from. Not playing, to being being a part of a really good culture, to going to the Lakers, to getting a lot of playing time in a rebuilding year, to being traded to the Atlanta Hawks, to where you guys start the season off well, you end up re-signing, and then you win, what, 55? Did you win 60 games in Atlanta?
2: 60 games. Yeah, my first year in Atlanta, we won 60 games. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, uh, dude, that, that was an amazing year. I mean that's kind of like, you know, all the stuff you go through, you know, you, you weather the storm and you're rewarded with, you know, one of the best years of your life in hoops and you know getting to play on TV in front of all your folks, you know, for the first time, uh, you know, one of the last four teams playing all the media. Um, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And then to go up against one of the greatest of all time, you know, cause I was, I started starting at the three, we lost uh Korver, um, I think in game two, and then Damari sprained his knee. So I was starting at the three, guarding him, and man, it was, I mean, it was amazing. You know, I kind of, that kind of put me on the map as far as, um, you know, people actually really to get to see who I was. Uh, a lot of tweets came out that I used to tweet about
1: LeBron way back in the day. <laughs> so uh, it was crazy how everything kind of came full circle. CJ, what was your first experience playing against Kent and when did you first realize how good of a player he was, especially defensively? Well, I knew who he
0: was from the celebrations, obviously, early on. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't in the NBA yet. I was still in college, and I watched a lot of Warrior games, and I seen the celebrations. And um, I seen, obviously, his history of where he came from, going to a small school, being undrafted to... Getting a chance to play um, with the Lakers, and I just respected the the grind because I know what it's like to to go from unknown and, and transform your your yourself into a somebody, uh, nobody to somebody, so to speak. So I just had, I had an immense amount of respect for the, for the the path he took because it's mm-hmm. it's hard to make it in this league in general. It's super hard to make it undrafted, and nearly impossible to go from undrafted right. to like a right. big deal. So just to be able to see that transformation he made, I just had a lot of respect um, for him because I know it wasn't easy. Right. Nothing was was really given to him. But I I don't, I don't remember, we didn't play against each other probably until I didn't play much early on in my career. So <laughs> I was watching <laughs> in 2013, I was hurt. <laughs> yeah, in Atlanta, um, right. played against you in right, Atlanta, Atlanta last um, couple years actually, like as a full-time starter. But before that, I was just kind of watching. And uh, noticed the, the impact he was making on both ends. I knew he was a three and D guy. It's funny because a few years ago, like Dame and I was watching watching uh, Kent play. And we was thinking like, we need somebody like Kent on our team. We said that some years ago. and I think he was thinking like, I, I would fit in well in a team like Portland. And the next thing you know, you <laughs> fast forward and, and Kent now plays for the Portland Trailblazers. So it's crazy uh, right. the, the transformation and, and how life kind of comes full circle.
1: How about you, Kent, on the other side, guarding C.J. for the first time and realizing what kind of offensive player he was? Oh,
2: man. I mean, it didn't take long for people to realize that C.J. was a bucket. And, you know, obviously hearing the story, I remember the first picture I seen of him uh, It was that that picture of you and I think we were in your Lehigh jersey and how small he was. Now, you know, we we worked out a couple times this summer together and during the season – You know, you see him, you know, put in the work to transform his body, you know, because I, you know, I I know guys at this level are talented, but, you know, when there's other aspects, you know, of your life that you change, like you put in the work to change your body, uh, you know, how he carries himself off the floor. um, You know, that's the stuff I kind of lean on, how well-rounded you are. um, I mean, it's dope, man, to to see, you know, mid-major guys who, you know, went to great schools we kind of, you know, we're cultured right there at school, stayed in school for a little bit, to come out and, you know, put that on display for the world that, you know, we're we, we, we some around the guys and we can hoop. So we've always had a, a big amount of respect for him. And he loves the mid-range. I mean, they tried to take it out of the league for a little bit, but, you know, this guy's been top two, top three in the league every year in mid-range percentage. So
0: I love seeing that, too. What were your first initial thoughts when you get traded to Portland, uh, based on the perception of what you thought it was going to be like, compared to actually being involved, seeing how we do things, understanding and immersing yourself within the culture? To now, like basically, what did you think of Portland before you got here, and now what are right. your thoughts on it as a player who's been around the team long enough to become a member? Right. So you know, the the whole theme of this conversation has been like full circle. So. My
2: very first NBA workout was with the Portland Trail Blazers uh, back in 2012. Uh, So they bought me up, and then I worked out for Golden State after that. But, you know, I've always admired Portland from afar. Like, you know, even when you come play at Motor, you know, after the games, win, lose, and draw, you guys are out there in the middle. You know, uh, captain speaking, you breaking it down. Um, I've always liked the togetherness, you know. Um, Obviously, Dame, mid-major guy. Uh, to see him, you know, excel the way he has to, uh, a lot of respect there. And, you know, now being here, well, I'm going to uh, rewind a little bit. Uh, the day I found out I got traded, I was wrapping up my golf tournament. And, like, you know, I just, you know, I got the call. And I, I was talking to the people, wrapping it up. And I just kind of ran outside and just, like, ran. I just went for a long run for, like, 20 minutes. I just ran and left everybody. And I was crying, man, like, I mean, I just couldn't believe it happened because, you know, I was like, I need to get to Portland. I need to get to Portland. I've been talking to Dame, following Dame in the playoffs, texting CJ a little bit. We were DMing first on Instagram a little bit. You know, just trying to pick his brain, see what kind of dude he was, filling it out. I was like, man, I need to get out here. And, you know, once it happened, I was like, man, it's just, I mean, it's amazing. And now that I'm here, I mean, it's its everything I would imagine it. You know, the aspirations for the season um, are all aligned. You know, our big goals of of winning the championship, everyone's all in, everyone's putting in the work. You know, the coaching staff, all stand-up guys, uh, the H&P staff, stand-up guys, the way we do things on the road with the Normatex and the freaking humidifiers and the foam rollers, you know, all the small stuff. I mean, all the boxes are checked, and uh, I'm just, you know... in in the front offices that practice they're interactive they're talking to you and you know asking about your families all the small things even Beth Sherry uh, I mean it's just you know A1 and um, you know you wake up and you're ready to go to work so um, you know regardless of how you feel and you could be achy but you know when you walk in the gym and you know they throw the ball up you know guys are getting after it so uh, that's all you can ask for
1: in, in, in a job that requires so much of your mental and physical capacity Ken, it sounds like you've been rejuvenated being in Portland, and I saw that Instagram picture of you and your family by Mount Hood, which is incredible, and and how you wanted to get closer and closer to it. What was that like? Because you haven't, you're not. There's not a lot of mountains and and snow um, in Atlanta, right? No, dude. I mean, I I I can
2: see Mount Hood from my place, and I've always like every morning uh, I wake up and I can I'm back on my driveway. And I can look down the street and I can see it, you know, if it's clear. Or even if it's, if it's cloudy, you can still kind of see the silhouette. And I've always, you know, I started hearing good things about it and how it was a volcano and all this cool stuff. And I just had to get close to it. And, you know, the, the day that we, we drove up, uh, we went apple picking. And there was, like, a cloud right in front of it. And I'm like, man, I got to get closer. So I like, Google all these things. How do you get closer to Mount Hood? And uh, we took this bat way to government camp and, like, I mean, I'm a big nature person. Like, I got married in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Biltmore, and right behind there is just like rolling hills of like green for miles and miles and miles. So, I'm really into that kind of stuff. And um, I've heard great things about Oregon, but you know, no, no more than going, you know, from from the Nines Hotel to the arena. You know, you are kind of down there and all the the congestion and uh, congestion and you know the bridges and stuff that looks cool, but. Once you get outside and out Lake Oswego, Westland, and uh, travel out toward you know 84 East, man, it's just it's so gorgeous out there.
1: What about this shift in your career now, being in Portland? How do you think it'll affect your your playing style? Because you know, I, I know last year was was obviously very frustrating. Uh, the team not doing well, kind of a youth movement, and you obviously had this wonderful contract, but you didn't feel like you were a part of the culture like you have been when you guys won 60 games and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. So how does, how does being in Portland with like, you know, with guys like CJ and Dame and this type of organization, how does it change your game? Well, I mean, I just know, you know, like I'm, 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 putting in the work
2: and, you know, everyone else around me is, is we're all thinking the same things, you know, there aren't any, uh, you know, there isn't much out of my control that doesn't go against, uh, go with, you know, go against what, what I believe in. And, That's just winning. And, you know, there's no better feeling than winning in this league. I won two conference championships in in college, went to the NCAA tournament twice, and I love, like, the feeling of, you know, hugging your athletic trainer in victory or, you know, high five. You know, just, you know, everyone being, you know, uh, a part of something. And, um, you know, my first couple of years in Atlanta, uh, that was the feel. And it feels a lot like that here. And, you know, obviously, you know, I have no, you know, bad blood with Atlanta. They, they put me in a, they put me in a situation, Travis Link put me in a situation to help further my career because, you know, you've seen other stories where guys have, you know, shipped off to places where you know, they're never heard of again, but, you know, I'm back, you know, in the playoffs and that plan for what I believe in. And that's just playing a winning, winning caliber of basketball with guys that, that feel the same way. So, um, you know, I'm gonna give them all and that's all I've ever done. And, but now it's in a situation of where everything matters and uh I like being in a in a situation where life gives me a little bit of uh resistance. You know, I like you know, kinda you know, I like it hard, you know, I like I like I like having to, you know, guard, you know, Kawhi one night, then we got James the next night. Like that's the stuff that, you know, I live for that I've always dreamed about as a kid and um that's just, you know, why I'm here.
0: I like it, and your personal philosophy is be like bamboo—bend but don't break. Yes, sir. Um, based on the fun facts, according to the Trailblazers, get to know the <laughs> the player segment. When you say be like bamboo, bend but don't break, for our listeners out there that don't understand, kind of describe what you mean by that in a sense of like you said, you you prefer to take the unconventional route.
2: Well, I mean, you know, life life is hard. I mean, like regardless
0: of where you
2: are. Um, You know, if you're at the top, you're at the bottom, you're at the middle. You know, life is tough. You know, the stress of of everything uh, seems to never go away. Like, you know, if you look at a garden, you know, you pull out the weeds. If you can weed every day, then you got to worry about, you know, rabbits and stuff eating. Or you get rid of rabbits, you got to worry about the birds coming in. Like, it's always something, right? So, um, you know, the best way to go about that is just understanding that and, you know, going through your life, you know, uh, being grateful, finding time for yourself, you know keeping your mind clear and 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 putting you know all your, the right eggs in the right basket, you know what I mean living the right way and uh putting people around you that that have that that like mindedness and uh it's amazing how they can kind of elevate you uh you know watching Damon and c j play every night this year is really gonna elevate me uh watching these guys get after it uh you know when there gets back you know, having a guy like white Whiteside that, you know, we're going to uplift is, you know, it's just, it's going to be a fun year, so, you know, being back in the situation to where it's going to be hard every night, but, you know, there'll be some people that's, that may break, but you know, I, I know that I won't, you know, I'll, I'll bend until I'll just keep bending, you know, and you know, there's a great Bible verse um, that, you know, the Lord won't put more on you, you that you can't bear, than you can bear, so uh, that's something I live by too, and uh, I'm just ready for the challenge. I think with everything that I've been through for the past two seasons, um, I've seen the, the opposite side. I've, I've seen the dark times. I've seen the, the deep uh, bellows of, you know, you know, almost being depressed and uh, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I'm ready for whatever now. And, you know, obviously, um, I feel like, you know, there's nothing worse than, than, than that. You know, that's the absolute worst than, in, in my basketball career, I think I can see. I've, I've had injuries. I've had uh, missed games. I've been through shooting stumps. I've seen everything, and you know, been on the other side of it at 30. Uh, I now know how to handle those things, and I got guys around me that understand it and you know help uplift me. So I'm ready, man.
1: Ken, how has being a a young father helped you and and change your your outlook on life and basketball as a whole?
2: Uh, it's it's been great. Um, he turned he turns six months on uh, tomorrow. Yep, six months tomorrow. So um, I'm just ready to lead by example. Um, I tell people all the time, you know, you know, my wife played uh, college field hockey. She played high school sports. She was you know a standout athlete. So, um, I tell people all the time, my son he'd probably be able to wake up and and play sports. But you know that's you know that's, that's going to be on him. You know, I want to teach him, you know, the other things in life, you know, how to be aware around a person, how to, you know, budget, how to invest, how to, you know, do the smartest set a table, you know, how to, you know, uh, dress appropriately for certain things, you know, how to carry yourself as a gentleman. Um, you know, just the, the small, the small things that I had to learn to help me get to where I am, you know, because uh, I'm not gonna lie. It wasn't because of basketball, um, uh, you know, for a long time that, you know, I stuck around in the NBA, you know, I stayed out of trouble. I talked to people the right way. I carried myself a certain way. Um, you know, I did, I did the right things and, uh, you know, that's kind of what I want to teach him. And, and that's actually helped me, you know, sharpen my abilities and move a lot smoother, you know, and, 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 and do certain things. So, uh, he's definitely, uh, given, given me a sharper focus on life and, a new zest, and uh, I'm just ready for him to start soaking it up.
0: Oh, that's dope, man. That's dope. I appreciate you sharing that. And happy birthday, semi-birthday, birth month, six months to young Jet. Yeah, there you go. A little half year. A little half year, almost almost to the big one, which means the terrible twos are on deck. I don't know what it's like to have a terrible <laughs> two-year-old because I don't have kids, but I hear about it all the time.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: Man, it's, all, it's all how you look at it,
2: man. I, I signed up for it, so like I said, man, I'm ready.
0: I will see you tomorrow, bro, four days until it's showtime, man. Your first yep. one in the motor center Let's get it.
2: as a part of the home team. It's going to be crazy. I got 41 of them, man instead
0: of just one. Yeah, 41 would change, man. We got some change coming. Definitely would change. (laughs) Appreciate you calling into the pull-up pod. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate y'all having me on. Once again, we want to thank our special guest, Kent Bazemore, for calling into the pull-up pod. My new teammate, shooting guard slash small forward, who's going to help us a lot this upcoming season. Very insightful young man who's gone through a lot to get to this point, works hard, does things the right way, and has been rewarded handsomely uh, for that. We also want to thank all our listeners out there for tuning in faithfully. Season is almost here. Uh, This is one of the the better weeks that I'll go through in life as the season comes along and approaches. My Browns actually have a bye week. So you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to...
1: Pull Pull Up!